Hello! Just checking the light, see if it's working. We're okay. An evening transmission for you this evening or morning, wherever you are watching on replay. Give me a hashtag replay if you're watching this on replay. And I would love for you to just take notes and tell me what was most impactful for you. I often say this quite a bit. Um, I really appreciate your engagement. I really appreciate your feedback <clears throat> because I'm talking to a camera. I don't see you. This COVID thing has got me all shook up. Normally, as a teacher, I start, you know, I have a, you know, a, a room full of people and it acts more like a conversation because when I'm speaking, I'm teaching, I can look at the, uh, the, the eyes of my audience, I can see them smile, I can see them shut down. Sometimes when I say something that bothers them, they will cross their arms. And what that does is that it helps me gauge how my message is landing. Because when I'm speaking, not like almost zero of it, I would say 99.9% .9 of what I'm sharing when I'm speaking is completely like channeled. Like I don't plan it. You can tell it doesn't look like I'm rehearsed. I'm not. I promise you, I'm not reading a teleprompter. It's actually coming from here, and I do that specifically for a reason. I, uh, I've, I, I've done that deliberately because I want it to actually be material that is meaningful, that's coming from my heart, that I embody, that I, that I know so well, that I've worked on, that I've worked through that I've integrated into my life so much that it's in my body now. It's not something I have to memorize. So everything that I say to you, everything that I share with you, whether you're watching on YouTube on the replay <clears throat> or, in, or this is kind of an email, um, it's coming through me. And uh, I don't get to see how it lands until I don't see your face. I don't see you squirm. I don't see you give me the, the finger because you're so pissed at what I'm telling you. But when you make a comment and you let me know what's coming through for you, that's very helpful for me because it helps me formulate my ideas and my presentation and my ability to help uh, this message land because I, I'm committed for the rest of my life to become more effective at this message landing for you. Why? Well, because it's the most important conversation. Why? Because it's the conversation I'm having. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's the most important conversation because coronavirus, political unrest, racial problems, problems with animals, problems with the environment, all of this crap that's happening on that planet right there. I have a, a little picture of our planet right in my background so I can look at it and keep a bird's eye view on what's most relevant here. All of its, all of the stuff that's falling apart is only falling apart, and we're trying to find solutions because um, we are so disconnected from ourselves. We are so disconnected from ourselves, our bodies, our minds, our 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 bodies, our emotions, our feelings, who we truly are. We as a species are so disconnected and I know what that's like I spent the first half of my life 
the majority of my life completely disconnected. It was only recently when I worked to reconnect with myself, with my heart, uh, work through my attachment wounds and my attachment traumas, not just cognitively the way I was training myself to, but I realized I was totally doing it to dissociate myself from the uncomfortable feelings in my body. I was so dissociated from myself. I was so detached. I was so lost. I was so asking the question that many reach out to me and ask, I'm stuck in my relationship. I don't know whether or not to stay or I should go. I've lost my mojo. I don't know who I am. I'll never forget Eve who reached out and said, I feel like a jellyfish. So what do you mean by that? I feel like somebody's emotions are there and my emotions become that person's emotions. That person's emotions become my emotions. There's no... And what she didn't understand at the time was she was dealing with enmeshment. Enmeshment meaning there isn't really a boundary between me and the other person. A lot of mother-daughter relationships have a lot of enmeshment. And that's not your fault. It's not because you're a bad mom. It's not because you're a bad daughter. It's intergenerational. And that's why this conversation is so relevant. This conversation is so relevant because if you don't... Because more and more it's, it's becoming, you know, the conversation... Because we're seeing that we cannot continue the rate that we're going and think that our species, our families, our health, our finances, everything in our life that's just kind of like crumbling away, we can't continue and to, we can't find a solution out there without first looking in here. But we don't know how to do that. There aren't that many mentors, guides that are teaching us true healing from an embodiment, somatic experiencing perspective. Lots of great seminars out there. I did all of the Landmark. I did all of the Demartini. I, like all of it. <laughs> uh, I did all of the Byron Katie and the Joe Dispenza and the Anthony Robbins and all of those things, which are great and got me so, so far. And I reached this glass ceiling at a point where I just kind of completely fell apart. And I realized I was pushing love away unconsciously. I was pushing it away. I was avoiding love. And so I'm doing this eight-part series right now and teaching you signs that you're pushing love away. Why? Because you're not doing it on purpose, but you're unconscious unconscious pushing of love away is impacting your relationships. It's impacting your parenting. Your children can feel that. Your children are hypersensitive and very attuned to your emotions. The question is, are you attuned to yours and are you attuned to theirs? If you're anything like me, you grew up with amazing, well-meaning parents. My parents had twins. My mom had two kids, twins, at the age of 24. Damn, I'm 44 and I have a son. And it's hard to think that a 24-year-old woman in Iran in that day and age uh, had twins. Like, you know, of course she's going to get a few things, overlook a few things. I remember after she raised us to, you know, be in our teens, late teens, early 20s, she starts taking an early childhood education course. 
she didn't so go so far as to say it because she's a bit you know resistant in admitting or apologizing or any th type of anything that uh, exposes her looking bad that's my mom uh lovely mother lovely woman lovely woman um but uh she she was like ooh, there's a few things that i didn't do right there's a few like you i could see she was like oh she's become well versed in it now uh she's a lovely grandmother to dominic uh, but my parents didn't understand emotional attunement they didn't understand ego the persian especially as persians persian egos are dense egos <laughs> you can I can now that I've done the work I can feel a dense ego right now I can feel when my ego is dense and I luckily I know how to you know work through it so that I don't have like my life before my ego basically driving the bus but essentially I was emotionally detached from myself from myself because I had parents that were emotionally detached from themselves my father uh, his mother suddenly died when he was 14 I, and I asked him, I said, did you ever really grieve? Did you ever process your mother's death? And he was like, no, I, I just had to step up and, you know, be the man of the house until my father, you know, like, I just, I had to step up. I was, you know, oh, so what I got was that my, my dad's teenage self never really had an opportunity to fully or, or have a parent that could sit him down and really teach him, you know, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to cry. It's okay to miss mom like I'm here you know let your let yourself feel all of it you're here you don't have to you don't have to hold back your tears you don't have to be try to be strong brave you can be exactly as you need to be right now you can feel everything I'd love to let you talk about it too how are you feeling today what's going on today what can we do you know he I guarantee you he didn't have that experience so then I was raised with you know, young, young um, couple coming to like late twenties. They're in their mid mid. My mom's in her mid twenties, and they immigrate suddenly to Canada at the age of nineteen seventy nine. At the sorry, in the year nineteen seventy nine, when my twin brother and I were four years old, <coughs> with a whole bunch of like war and religious persecution so that dysregulation and angst and angst and anxiety leaving everything behind in Iran and coming here with two twins in a new country uh, new language uh, you know anxiety is a big thing so emotionally attuning to us wasn't the priority the priority was make sure they succeed Make sure they become doctors. Make sure they're successful. You have to be this. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this. Like most immigrant parents, if you're an immigrant child or the child of an immigrant, you get it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And thank God that they did. And they did the very best that they could. And I, I am who I am today. And I love who I am today in no small part thanks to them. And everything that I teach is thanks to the experiences that I had, good, bad, ugly, uh, I wouldn't be who I am today, as intelligent, as heart-centered, as purposeful, if it wasn't for the pleasures and pains associated with my interactions with my early attachments with my parents that I experienced and what I experienced between the two of them. 
I guarantee I would not have the amazing secure relationship that I have right now if it wasn't for everything that they were and everything that they weren't. I have pure gratitude for them. But there was a period of time where I wasn't <laughs> because I was pushing love away. And in this installment, I want to bring you to uh, number three evidence, how number three sign that you're pushing love away. And I'd love for you to write in the comment section what comes up for you here. Please go back and watch uh, signs that you're pushing love away, number one and number two, to give you some context. So go ahead back and, and watch them. They're, they're easily searchable. But today, I want to point you, your attention in the direction of number three, which is the sign that you're pushing love away is your body is closed and tense. Your body is closed and tense. That's a dead ringer. It's so reliable as a feedback mechanism, as an indicator that you're pushing love away, that if you tell me, oh yeah, I'm so easy going with love, love and hugs and affection is so easy for me, but, I, but you're telling me, and I'm just watching you, and I'm looking in your eyes, and then I look at your body. Your body will, if your body will tell me a different story, that you're closed off, okay? Here's a dead ringer as well. Watch, look at pe people's photographs. How they stand will tell you how closed they are. Your physiology, your body is your unconscious mind. You can't bullshit. You can't bullshit your physiology. It's the greatest um, expose, expose of your truth is your body. If I told you that, oh yeah, I spend about, you know, 20 hours a week in the gym and I just eat uh, berries, fruits, vegetables, and lean meats and I have no cake no cookies, no ice cream ever. If I tell you that, and then you look at my physiology right now, and you see love handles, you're looking at me go, yeah, Nima, you're full of shit. Why? How do you know? Well, because the body doesn't lie. Your body doesn't lie. Your physiology is the great indicator of your unconscious mind. So it follows that if you want to heal, and you want to have healthy relationships, and you want to have mastery over the things that upset you, the things that take you out, the things that cause you to spin out of control emotionally, the things that cause you to get triggered and get hijacked and possessed by something far greater in power than you, your dark passenger. If you want to heal that, then you must stop doing talk therapy. You must stop cognitively trying to clear baggage. You must get into the body first. I'm not dissing talk and cognitive methodologies for I have been practicing them for over a decade. I know their limitations. Understanding the neuroscience of trauma is that if you want to heal that, you must observe your body. 
And here's a great indicator. I did this with my clients just this past week. We've been really delving deep into this, especially now with coronavirus coming up and anxiety levels are at an all-time high. What's happening is, is that there's an alarm state in the body. That closed-offness and tension is actually anxiety. It's a feeling of, I'm not safe. So if, if you are in a relationship with somebody, even if it's a friendship, <clears throat> I want you to imagine that person, and then I want you to imagine closing your eyes, <sighs> relaxing yourself, and then having them come into your awareness and you give them a hug. Take a moment and do that with somebody right now. Write it in the comment section. I want you to picture your partner right now, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your son, your daughter. Okay. Picture a person that you are having some challenges with love there. Okay. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine them coming up and embracing you. What happens? Take a moment and do it. I'm serious. Do it. Let me know what happens. <clears throat> Write it in the comment section. What happens to you? Do you tense up and close off? Do you melt and relax? Well, guess what? Your body is giving you the indicator of what's between the two of you. I urge you to start exploring that question. I urge you to look and start exploring. Well, what's, what's going on? This is what I had all of my uh, clients do this past week, and we've been working on this very thing. What's going on? What's in between? Well, here's what we heard. When they hug me, I want to I, I want to push it away. Okay, why? I don't know. Look, don't say I don't know. I don't know means you're up here. Stop, drop into your body, and roll with it. <laughs> what is it? Okay. I don't want them close to me. Why? Because... I don't feel I'm worthy of it. Ah, boom. If I don't feel I'm worthy of receiving love, when you and I are in a partnership together, relationship, friendship, you reach out and give me love, I'm going to push it away with my body. It's so true. When I go to my mother and I go and hug her, she actually pushes it away. Before this work, I used to take it very personally. I used to be like, oh my God, like she's pushing me away, like she doesn't love me. And now what I realized is she pushes it away because parts of her don't feel worthy of receiving it. That's huge. That was a huge aha for me. When I started to heal those attachment wounds within myself, the story I used to tell was that my mom's pushing love away. She, because when I go to her to embrace her, her body tenses up. I was like, why would she? I felt so rejected by that before until I started to look into this and realized she's tensing up and she's closing off because parts of her parts of her. We all have different parts. You have a million different parts of you that have been kind of birthed from little 
adversities, micro traumas, macro traumas force you to fracture and fragment from yourself and create these different personas, masks, personalities, characters. To get why? Well, to get your needs met. We all have multiple personalities. We all have them. That's why sometimes you could be such a sweetheart and other times you could be such a freaking bitch. Yes. That's why people are like, Nima, you're so soft and gentle. Oh, you're such a hard ass. Tell it like it is. I have all of those parts to me. The key to life is not getting rid of them. The key to them is embracing them all and consciously utilizing them to fulfill your purpose, both for yourself and for the benefit of others. That's a conscious uh, utilization of all of your gifts and skills and talents and dissolving all of your shame. But if I feel I'm not worthy of love, I'm going to block love and my body will get tense. I'm going to invite you as well to ask another question. What other reasons <clears throat> would I be blocking love? What other reasons when that person embraces me am I blocking it? One, I'm not worthy. Okay, that's one. What about what else? You, I'm, 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 they hurt me. Here's one I heard. They hurt me before and I don't want to let them in and then have them betray me or reject me again. Ah, bingo. So what that means is I have an unhealed wound. I have a uh, trauma, an unhealed, unresolved grief, unresolved resentment, perhaps unresolved shame, unresolved guilt. I don't know because I haven't been taught how to explore my emotions. I haven't been taught how to move them through my body. I've just been talking about it playing victim to that other person or beating myself up because I'm a perfectionist and I, I want to keep beating myself up so that I can kind of circumvent another person beating me up. If I could beat myself up and really just be so self-effacing and I'm such a jerk and you know those people, there's a lot of people I've met this year, I didn't, couldn't, couldn't believe how many people just love just shitting on themselves until they realize and they hate it they're like i hate it until they realize they're doing it because it's like a survival mechanism that a part of them has d discovered to circumvent or prevent their parent from doing it if i can do it worse to myself then i'll have sympathy for my parent it's a very 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 um useful survival mechanism this self-effacing self-loathing self-hatred it works like a charm to get a rejecting parent on your side. Does that make sense? Let me know if that's resonating with you. That was a big aha when I would see that. When we would see this with, with people who are dealing with anxiety, people who are dealing with relationships that can't work, dealing with constant codependency. It's this unconscious like high they get off of beating themselves up because then that kind of gets sympathy from other people. And they didn't even realize it. it's not even their fault. If that's what's happening with you, nothing to be ashamed of. It's actually very wise. It's a survival tactic that you've been incorporating that's gotten you places. And it's now where your glass ceiling is. It's now what's stopping you from having the health that you want, the feeling of safety in your body that you want, and the deep intimacy that you're really craving. That's what's stopping you. So I want you to explore this question. 
what's stopping me? When I hug that person, what, what comes up? My body gets tense. The body is letting you know that there's a wound that you're protecting yourself from, which is, works to protect you from pain. But what happens is if you keep running from pain, you keep running into pain. You block any pain, but you're actually actually blocking yourself from giving and receiving love. And no human being can be healthy on this planet without love. I mean, Dominic, like I, I see it with him. He's just all of a sudden having tears, crying. There's nothing wrong. He's, he just got fed. He, uh, he, he just had his diaper changed. He, he's been burp, burped, so he's not gassy. What's going on? As soon as I pick him up and I hold him, I kiss him. There, there, sweetheart. I'm here. Daddy's here. Uh, my kind of relaxed, regulated presence towards him, he feels love, and that soothes him. Love is the healer. Love is the only way that all of those problems in the world from racism, from uh, you know poverty, from all of these global epidemics, love is the missing ingredient. And we're blocking love for each other, one another, because deep down we're blocking love from ourselves. And without this conversation, people aren't exposed to the truth of what's stopping them they're blaming other people. They're blaming that race. They're blaming that class. They're blaming that political affiliation. They're blaming that religion. They're blaming, blaming those, you know, those people in charge. They're, all this time, this war that's happening outside, there's a war that's happening inside that we haven't learned the skills to address. The intention of this transmission is to help bring awareness to the fact that there are signs that we are blocking love. There are signs and symptoms that feedback to us, that give us feedback that I might be blocking love, I might be pushing love away. And that's really important because if you're pushing love away, then the people who love you don't feel seen, don't feel received by you, feel disconnected from you, and if they're your children, that will, that will feel like trauma with a, with a small T. There's trauma with a big T, like war, violence, hunger, sexual, you know, stuff. That's big T, but then the little T is feeling rejected by your parent because they don't know how to give themselves love because they're blocking love. And then that passes down to you, and then you pass it to your children. And I'll be damned if my son feels even this much of a block of my love towards him. In a way that, you know, doesn't, like, honors my boundaries as well. You know, not a, not a codependent kind of love where I give him whatever. You know what I mean? It's a balanced type of love. It's a measured love. It's a love that sees him and isn't using him as a tool for my own ego. <clears throat> so he's my teacher for this. And he's my why of why I feel it's so urgent to be in this conversation with you. And if you just did that exercise right now and you can be honest with yourself let me know what you just found 
Maureen, you're relaxed. Yeah, you've been working on this hard. <coughs> you feel a sense of relax when you think of that love because you've been working on removing all the barriers towards your own self-love. It's been great working with you. I love it. But I invite you to look and let me know in the comment section what you discovered with that little exercise. Rewind and do it again. And if you are keen in being one of the people at the grassroots level that say, you know what, I can't change the world. As Jordan Peterson says, if you want to go change the world, why don't you clean up your own room first? If you are one of those people that want to stop trying to be political and telling other people what to do politically and, you know, being on a soapbox and you just want to, you know, you just want to be right and you want to project your shit onto other people of your political views and your how people should handle the pandemic and all that stuff and you're right, have at it. Go for it. You've been listening to the Trigger Proof Podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger-proof doesn't mean trigger-less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound and if you're curious and inspired to learn more join us at breathwork and badassery or the overview experience and a combination of both actually helps you do the work there's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. If you want to deepen your sense of self, if you want to deepen your uh, sense of giving and receiving love and removing the barriers that's stopping you, from being able to give it and receive it and you're curious and you really want to go and understand what that next level is the next step for you people ask me that all the time what do I do how do I um, where do I begin and I always tell people to learn how to breathe and to heal with the younger parts of you that you abandoned a long time ago in service of approval of others they're waiting for you. That sense of alarm that you're feeling, that sense of anxiety that's in your body, <clears throat> it's not just your thoughts going haywire. There's a younger part of you that is looking and searching to be rescued, that's seeking your attention. And every time love is coming close to you or you want to give and receive love and you feel your body tense up, that's that younger part of you that doesn't feel safe. This weekend on Saturday at 3 p.m. East uh, Pacific time, I teach my breathwork and badassery to my clients. This is a necessary part because they've committed to, to learning how to become better at loving, to healing intergenerational trauma, to breaking the cycles that didn't start with them or their parents. And it's changing people's lives. I have families that are in our programs together 
mother, husband, and now daughter. Husband, wife that were about to separate now closer together. Like families are transforming simply because they stopped pointing fingers and projecting and started looking at it inside and seeing where they were blocking love and taking responsibility for that part. If this sounds like you and you really want to start learning how to drop what's in the way between you and giving and receiving love so that you can actually feel safe in your home and create a container where children can feel safe, children feel seen, where the whole codependent cycles that keep running your life that cause you to constantly abandon yourself, you want to start to break that cycle and learn how to heal from within and get into your body and get out of your mind, the best place to begin is breathwork and badassery. I tell everyone this. It's a three-hour workshop where I guide you into fundamentals of your nervous system. I guide you into understanding the two minds, your adult mind and your child mind, and how when you get triggered and things start to fall apart in your life, it's because your adult mind, which has rationality and says, you know what, I want to, you know, start this business, but your child mind says, mm, but I can't handle rejection, and then that takes over, and you feel like you're constantly sabotaging yourself. This is where you learn the practice and art of bringing those two minds together through our inner child meditation which I guide you through. It's very powerful. It's with music. It's with community. It's really beautiful. And then I lead you into breath work, which is all about quieting the mind or actually allowing all the chatter of the mind to come up and learning how to breathe through it. In fact, learning how to breathe properly in the first place. When I first discovered this, I realized I wasn't breathing properly. And now... I have a tool that I can check into each and every day that's free of charge that helps lower my anxiety and get me right back into my body. And it's simple, but it's very difficult to uh, master because immediately we forget and we go into our minds. And this is the education of returning back into the body, embodiment. Because if you're closed off and you're tense, and you think that going and talking it through is going to lighten you up, it will, but I think what's better is for you to learn how to get into the body and show safety, not just tell safety to your younger parts. Your work is to show those parts safety. Once those parts are safe and you've gotten yourself into what we call a ventral state, your communication and talk, whether it's therapy, whether it's communicating with your partner, becomes a lot easier because you've learned how to master your dysregulated nervous system by assessing it and going, oh, I'm in dorsal right now. Oh, geez, I'm so in dorsal. Yep. Oh, yeah, it makes sense why, too, because that trigger, what she just said, totally brings me back to what happened with my brother and I when we were younger. And, of course, I reacted that way. I have empathy towards myself. And you become like a tether to pull your nervous system state up to safety yourself. I predicted this back in February that that would be the greatest skill to learn in 2020. Actually, in, in January, before coronavirus hit, I was predicting. I said the greatest skill you can learn, the two greatest skills that you can learn in uh, 2020. I said this in January. What's the two most important skills you must learn in 2020 that will take you far? Number one, 
the skill of learning how to take a trigger and turn it into self-love when all you want to do when you're triggered is abandon yourself and how to take conflict and turn it into deeper intimacy those are the two most important skills and they're scary because it involves us telling the truth and everybody wants to hide from the truth because we think that the truth of myself is shameful so I'm gonna hide from that shame by lying to you and I'm gonna put on this mask and this mask and then this mask and then after you know decades of life your 20s your 30s your 40s kick in you're like who am I I don't know who I am and then when coronavirus hits when you don't know who the he fuck you are, you don't know who the fuck it is you're married to because they don't know who the fuck they are. Coronavirus hits and then the truth comes out. What the fuck am I doing here? Who is Who am I and who is this? And what am I doing with my life? Is this really what I want to be doing? It's like, <gasps> wake up. And the people who took the time to learn how to get into their bodies, to create safety from within, to communicate effectively with power and truth, and confidence and certainty and have dissolved some of the shame, dissolved some of the resentments, dissolved some of the baggage that they've been holding and carrying with them and just kind of like living with and becoming exhausted with. They've learned how to get out of their heads and into their bodies and now they're thriving during coronavirus. We are thriving. Why? Because we know who we are. <laughs> We don't need a mask or a, 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 a political figure to feel safe, that we feel safe inside of it. I'm not saying not to wear masks, by the way. I'm just saying I don't freak out if you're not wearing one. <laughs> I don't freak out if you're not wearing one because I still feel safe regardless. I don't need you to make me feel safe. I don't need you to validate me because I have safety in my body. Why? Because I give and receive love freely. Because I've been working on checking in with my body and learning how to get out of my head and create safety in my body and then open my heart. And so people can feel that I have an open heart with them. Strangers, even if you have a completely opposite religious affiliation, a political affiliation, in my in my uh, my clients they're trump supporters they're biden supporters they're liberals they're conservative christians they're baha'is they're jews hasidic jews they're muslims with two wives going on three <laughs> i don't care about your religious or political affiliation because your political and religious views do not threaten me and make me feel not safe about myself. And that is a very powerful place to be. We just found out we're in lockdown now, pretty much in British Columbia. We found that out just today. It's like I had to cancel a couple trips. My birthday's this upcoming weekend. You know, I can't have my birthday with friends. We're, you know, it's like, you know what? I'm okay. I have my family. I have an ability to create intimacy with my family. I have my clients to serve. I have this opportunity to turn this, this camera on and teach what I absolutely love, which I feel is probably the most important conversation we can have right now. And nothing is stopping me. I, I feel unstoppable. Uh, and I'm not saying it in a, a cocky, arrogant way. I feel nothing is going to stop me from my vision of breaking intergenerational 
trauma cycles and helping families heal because that's what this is all about. And one of the things that's blocking you from having a healed family is that you're blocking love. And how do you know? Sign number three, you have a tense, closed body. Your body is tense and it's closed. Let me know what came up for you in this. I left a link there <clears throat> to join us for Breathwork and Badassery this weekend. You get a nervous system regulation uh, training. Then I guide you into an inner child meditation. Many people for the very first time, tears, like, oh my gosh, Fatima, she was like, I feel freedom for the first time in 30 years I've never felt. Not bad for a three-hour workshop. Join us. Follow the link there. Let me know if you have any questions. If this is resonating with you, uh, I'd love for you to invite who you know should be in this group. Invite them in this group. Tag them in this video and let them know why this training is important. If they're dealing with relationship limbo, should I stay, should I go? Uh, still heartbroken over a past they can't get over. Not able to connect with anybody and feeling like very powerful at work, but just, uh, it's not landing at home. It's unfulfilling. Don't feel seen. And your health is starting to bubble up. In other words, you have digestive issues coming up. You have hormonal issues coming up. These are telltale signs that you have a closed off physiology. Okay. And there's some work to do. There's some healing of your attachment wounds. And it all begins on Saturday or Sunday morning if you're in Australia. Let me know if you have any questions. Follow the link and we'll see you at the next perfect time.